guys. Welcome to episode 15 of the BAC Hockey for Hope podcast. Before we get to today's guest, just uh, want to talk about a couple things here. Um, just want to thank all the players uh, for their participation in our 4-on-4 last week and want to thank the guys at GDI, uh, especially Kevin Swanson, for uh, for allowing us to be a part of the, uh, the program. Uh, it was a great week, a lot of really good action. Um, lots of fun to watch and just really good to just see the players out competing again and smiles on their face being out on the ice uh, it, was a, it was a blast so thank you to the players and uh, to GDI and Swanee for allowing BAC Hockey to take part in that um, we, had, we do have another 4 on 4 coming up here for the Young Guns version for players 04 to 06 age uh, we have space for one team left um, but it's going to be another great week of, uh, of fun hockey. So really looking forward to that. Um, as well, coming up for BAC camps, we have a conditioning camp, uh, a couple prep camps for different ages, and then our uh, BAC for Hope Cup, the uh, third summer that we'll be doing the three-on-three cross-ice tournament. Um, that'll be August 10th to 13th and 17th to 20th. Uh, as well, we have a scrimmage group that's just going to be five-on-five, um, officiated games, um, for junior uh, junior players, so excited to just get into some game action here this uh, this month in August before players hopefully are able to go to their camps in September and, and carry on with the season and um, hopefully we're able to do that safely and uh, soon. So. to today's guest uh, excited to bring you guys this episode with uh, the biggest Luke Combs fan you probably ever meet uh, I bet you right now he's probably wearing a Luke Combs t-shirt and I don't think I've seen him in the last six months without a Luke Combs t-shirt on um, so excited to bring you uh, today's guest uh, Tyler Helfrich uh, Helf and I coached together for a couple of years um, after coaching against each other um, one of my favorite guys to coach with uh we battle, battled quite a bit coaching with each other, um, but I think we both helped make each other better, and uh, I think that's what you want with your with your coaching staff. And um, so I, uh, I've always really enjoyed my time working with him, and getting him onto this podcast was uh, something I was looking forward to. Uh, I know he has a really good story of his playing career that uh, I think can provide a lot of good insight for players and parents. Um, one thing I've always really appreciated about Health is he's not afraid to take the hard way. Um, if he knows that in the long run it's going to make him better or those around him better, that's the road that he takes. Um, and that's something I've always really admired. And I think you get a sense of that through, uh, through listening to this episode, um, especially when he kind of documents the, um, how he ended up in Fort Mac uh, asking for a trade out of Calgary, um, which was ultimately just to try and help him better prepare for going to play in in the states college um you know and then some experiences playing with uh, gord up in fort mac where things weren't necessarily always easy for him but um you know, once you go through it he uh, would always understand or realize that it was to make him better and it did so um good insight for players parents coaches uh really enjoyed this chat with health and hopefully we're going to get him on here again so I know there's quite a bit of other things that uh, after we did this recording, he kind of thought about. Uh, so um, we're going to get him on here again, but I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. 
I was sitting here watching the clock and I'm like, okay, I'm going to text them and I close my computer and say, I'll let you know when I'm ready. <laughs> I don't like when guys are late. Well, I knew there was going to be problems. Uh, okay. We'll get started. Um, our guest today is uh, Tyler Helfrich. Um, I spent a couple years fortunate enough to coach with Helf um, and coached against him to begin with. So um, ended up being a pretty good buddy of mine. So happy to have him on here today. He's got a wealth of knowledge and experience and some pretty good stories that hopefully we can uh, get to. So thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. And yeah, looking forward to, to chatting here. Um, so let's start, uh, I guess, start from the beginning, um, playing hockey. I know you, you grew up playing with the Flames. Um, and then uh, where did things go for you after that? Yeah, I grew up in northwest Calgary, um, played at a Crowfoot community there. Um, did a couple of years with the Flames. Um, ended up going to play a year with uh, the Royals, who are now the Mustangs in Calgary and junior there. Um, and then asked for a trade uh, specifically to Fort Mac, and that worked out well. Um, and then ended up playing a little bit in uh, Prince George um, before going down to the States to play four years uh, at RPI, and then a couple of years in the coast after that to finish up my career. How, why, uh, when you were with the Mustangs, what led to asking for a trade to Fort Mac? For me at the time, I had verbally committed to Brown University my 15-year-old year of midget AAA. Um, and that obviously didn't work out. Everything happens for a reason. Um, no disrespect to Brown, great school. Um, but yeah, I just, for me, it was knowing that I'd be far away from home, um, being in a different country two years from then. So the bigger picture, uh, which my parents kind of helped me look at was, um, just getting far enough away from home where you're close, but not too far, um, based basic life skills, getting out on your own, um, you know, living with billets, meeting new people and just kind of experiencing that, that small town hockey feel, um, away from the parents. Um, Fort back was a good program back then. Um, they'd been to the finals a couple times, heard a lot of good things about Thibodeau, um, that he was, uh, you know, a, a tough coach to play for, um, great coach, cared a lot, demanded a lot. Um, and I think it was all some tough stuff that I needed, um, obviously with the guidance of my dad, um, to kind of help mature me as a, as a player and a person. Did you have an agent or advisor while you were going through that? Or was that all stuff that you and your parents came up? We... We had an advisor um, at that time. He wasn't around. That kind of happened towards the after that year in Fort Mac and we won it and then kind of around that Prince George time the following year. So I guess, yeah, to answer your question, no, he wasn't involved in that decision making for that mm -hmm. reason. And then was there ever for you, like when you were playing Bantam, was there ever a decision that you had to make between going the Western League route or NCAA? No, for me, honestly, the dub never even crossed my mind. And, you, you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't know why that is. Like, I was a big Hitman fan growing up, loved going to the games, went to a lot of them. Um, I don't know if it was kind of that early interest. Um from college teams that 15-year-old year. 
to be brutally honest, like looking back on things now, you know, maybe there was some sort of resentment as a kid you don't really know about with, you know, not being drafted. Mm-hmm. Pretty good Bantam player putting up good numbers. Obviously the size thing, which we can talk more about. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that was an issue, but it maybe could have been. And, uh, you know, obviously that was a long time ago, but for me, schooling was important too. Um, and I was always, always been a pretty book smart kid. Um, so that just kind of started gearing me towards that NCAA route. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then when you're in Fort Mac, uh, just talk a little bit about your experience playing there. I know you guys had some good team success. Um, so just talk a bit about that and what it was like to play with Gord. Um, that turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me was going, uh, up to Fort Mac there. Uh, we had a real good team that year. Uh, we were lucky enough to, to win the AJ. We ended up losing to uh, Burnaby in a six-game crossover uh, to baby-faced Kyle Turris, his 16-year-old year. Um, he was a special player back then, too. But uh, playing for Gord, man, um, I-, I learned so much from the guy. Uh, we still keep in touch. Um, I think he definitely changed my path as a player, um, helped me see and understand the importance of being a 200 foot player and buying in um, on the defensive side and away from the puck. Um, yeah, he, he was the king of mind games. Um, you know, he was effective with, with getting the guys and, and it wasn't necessarily just quick reminders like, Hey, you know, work harder, do this. Uh, he, he always found these creative mind games to play. And I got a funny story. Um, my first year there, I think we had won our first 14 or 15 games that year in, in uh, Fort Mac. And we were going down for a three and three. Uh, we were playing two against Drayton and Drayton had lost one or two games at that point. So they're big games early in the year and I showed up Thursday to the rink and uh, Gord came and saw me and he goes, uh, you're not coming this weekend. And I said, what do you mean? And at this point, you know, third, just over a point a game, third on our team in scoring, uh, you know, on the power play, play regular minutes, top line. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're not coming this weekend. He goes, get some workouts in and we'll uh, we'll see you Monday. I said, okay. So, you know, you're 18 year old, you're, you're pissed. So the boys went, they did their thing, stayed there. And I was like, man, I don't know what happened here. Like, so I was doing three workouts a day, running, biking, trying to lose as much weight as I, as I could, right? Um, and I came back and I said, okay, Gord, you know, I'm down six pounds or whatever it was after that. And he spins his chair around this room and he goes, I don't care. What do you mean? He goes, I just wanted you to work a little harder health. (laughs) So I'm going, are you kidding me? Right. So, so just little stuff where, you know, you could nag on someone for, Hey, work harder, work harder, work harder. Like it's just boom, that one mess and you're mad about it then it doesn't have a lasting impact on you in a negative way but it's something that helped change that mindset for me as a learning point at that age right and I was so mad because uh in the newspaper he uh I was reading the newspaper that weekend and uh they got asked you know what was wrong with Helfrich was he injured you not make the trip and he said uh, Tyler's staying home to watch reruns the biggest loser <laughs> Well, that was kind of that mind game there. And, and to the day, like seeing Gord at Christmas there, you know, it, it's something we laugh about. And 
no, he was an awesome guy, man. And I owe a ton of my successes to kind of what he did and how he shaped my mentality and my brain by it. That's awesome. Yeah. One of those things where at the moment you're pissed off and upset, but it has a much longer lasting impact on yourself as a player and as a person. No, exactly. And I think you see that a lot in, uh, you know, a lot of situations and circumstances with kids these days is, you know, some of that stuff doesn't click till you're a little older, you're a little mature, and it may not be till you're 25 or 30 years old where you look back and you go, oh, wow, was that a big part of, like, if that didn't happen right at the time, you know, you're, you're mad or upset about it. Um, it's just, yeah, it's funny to see that big picture and looking back how things tie it. Yeah, and I think that's something that players struggle to look at and, and parents struggle. And I think coaching with you, that was one thing that always kind of stuck with me. I remember dealing with a player a couple of years ago and you'd mentioned that to him that, you know, at 20, you may not understand this now and maybe upset and frustrated and everything else, but it may be next year or when you're 25, you're going to look back and think, oh, yeah, okay. That, that made sense. I get it. And I think that kid was in our room this year at the max tournament, you know, thanking us for those hard conversations. Yeah. And, and I think it's just, you know, every kid's different. It's just trying to get them to understand, to be open to the belief of that, as opposed to shutting it down and, you know, closing the door on your face that there is a bigger purpose as coaches, you're doing it for a reason. You're not just doing it as a quick fix to put a bandaid on something, you know, you're looking at trying to fix things long-term for them that can help take them far, right? Um, so you guys win a championship in Fort Mac. Um, what was that like, like, just going through that whole process of battling through playoffs and the ups and downs of that? Like, how, is, how has that kind of impacted you as a, as a player, a person, and a coach? It's a ton of fun, man, because I guess for me that was, I mean, Bantam, you don't go through much. Midget, we're first-round exits. Um you know, didn't make it the Royal year. Um, so, so you learn quick, right? And we had a veteran team of a few guys. That was kind of the day when, you know, Fort Mac had met Camrose in the final, I think three of four years, right? Um, so it was interesting to learn from the older guys, just kind of the commitment, the buy-in. But also that, like one thing that sticks out to me these days is, um, and we can talk more about it later, but taking care of your body. Because at that age, it's not something that you really think about, right? Like how important the stretching is and hydrating and eating good. And yeah, you're going to have your fun in junior. Mm -hmm. But seeing that from those veteran guys, like, you know, the Matt Lamarant, Chev Wilson, uh, Mike Schreiber, Sadlowski, a few to name that went on to have some pretty good careers. Um, that was real interesting to see was that the commitment and the, I guess, that drive and, and championship mindset there. It was that kind of like the first time that and was, I'm sure growing up, you heard about that all the time, like taking care of your body and the way you eat and sleep is going through that playoff experience kind of the first time you really learned the importance of that and how big of an impact it really has. You know, I remember learning about it then, um, you know, to be brutally honest, I don't think I fully accepted and adopted that yet. Like I remember half seeing it. But I wish, and that, that's one thing I always say, I don't, you know, you have no regrets because at the time it's what you wanted. Mm -hmm. But one thing I wish I would have done more of was listen to my body. Um, I don't know if everyone else knows, but you're aware of, you know, had bad hips uh, and groins. That's kind of what helped drive me to stop playing in 2012. 
And I just look back and even now or 2028 years later, it, it constantly comes to my mind, the what if, um, you know, cause I wasn't ever one of those guys that stretched much or took it seriously. You know, you'd go get your workout in and you'd, you'd lay on the foam roller and do nothing, use it as a pillow. Right. It just, it wasn't the cool thing to do. And, uh, you know, that's something that I would pass on to kids these days is listen to your body, take care of your body. Cause if not, you get old quick, you get sore quick and the bumps and bruises catch up to you on the way. No, for sure. That's a good message. Um, so then you get traded to Prince George. Um, I assume it was kind of for a different, it wasn't the same as the process you went through before getting traded to Fort Mac. Um, what was that like getting dealt there to a different league, different community, um, and then your experience there? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a bit of an emotional roller coaster that year at Fort Mac. Uh, you know, you go from winning a championship, you fall in love, you know, the team, the coaching staff, um, the fans, the city. And I remember it was about a week before deadline, um, early January, and Gord kind of pulled me in and he said, hey, I just want to be transparent with you. I don't want you to go, um, but I could potentially get some value for you. And if the price is right, I want to try and get you to go somewhere good where you have a chance to contend and play again for a championship. If we can bring in value that helps the team long term so that we can both win. So that was, uh, that kind of caught me off guard in that whole week. You know, you're, you're 19 years old. It's all you're thinking about. You've never been traded for those reasons before. Um, but I appreciate that heads up and deadline day we practiced and it's always kind of later in the day. Um, you know, we got close to that deadline period and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm good. I'm safe. I didn't want to go. didn't want to leave. Um, and Gord pulled me in and, uh, that's where I got goosebumps. Now just thinking, he basically just said, hate to do it. Um, but we made a deal with Prince George, um, and they need you there for the weekend. I think this was a, a Thursday. So it was, uh, it was a very emotional moment for us. Um, obviously I didn't want to say goodbye. He had a hard time doing it. We got pretty close over that year. Um, and, you know, and that's just kudos to Gordon respect I have for him. And, you know, he wanted to, you know, he said to me, he goes, you know, I, I want to reward you for, you know, coming here and helping us win a championship and giving you an opportunity to go try and win a national one. And uh, Prince George. Um, so that was, I'll never forget that. It was hard. You have these mixed emotions of, um, you know, you're parting ways with one team but you're also happy and excited to kind of get to know the other guys and try something new. So, um, got there. Prince George was a great fit. Um, got to play a lot, which you love as a player. Um, we had some success. It was very interesting year because we lost out in seven games to salmon arm, uh, in the first round of playoffs. So because we're the host team, we had about a month and a half off until the RBC. So they ended up sending us home for almost a month. And then we came back two weeks before the tournament. Um, they skated us pretty hard and got us into shape quick. And yeah, we went in and ended up losing in the national final game um, before one of the longest games in junior hockey for Canada. We went to five overtimes the night before against 
against Camrose, who, who we beat the year before Fort Mac in the final. So that was an interesting experience itself. You know, rolling in, Denny's was the only place open at three in the morning. And then you got to play Aurora at one o'clock in the afternoon the next day for, <laughs> for a national. <laughs> It was five overtimes. Like what? What's going through? Like how do you feel going through that game? That's oh man, it was that. That was a roller coaster of emotions as well. I mean, you're going. There's so much belief, and and everyone is just you know positive, and it's just a lot of positivity. Okay, let's get this one. Let's go, boys. We got this. And then like as it gets going, your mindset kind of changes. It's not so much you're motivated to get it. It's like, okay, we, we need this. Like we want this, this has to get done. And then, you know, you're, you're going to have your guys in the room who just kind of, you know, everyone's mind's different where it's just like, I'm done. Can't do this. Like, it's just, we're physically exhausted. Um, they're trying to wheel us in foods and fruits and energy drinks and, guys were laying down on the ground, like almost falling asleep, um, you know, legs up on the wall. It, it was a different experience, but, uh, yeah, we were able to come out on the winning side there and it was just short lived, you know, the fun we had that night. Cause you just sink down in your, in your stall and you're just going, Oh, we got to do this in 12 <laughs> hours. Right. So what time um, did you get out of the rink after that game? It was, I think it was about two o'clock because I remember the only place open uh, to eat was Denny's. So that was all we could really do um, as a team. And then, yeah, I think that game was one o'clock local time against Aurora. And Aurora played before us the day before. So they're kind of, they had their 24 hour rest and they scored, I can't remember when, but it would have been in the first period, I'd say for the first 10 minutes. And we were all pumped and had some energy. And as soon as they scored, you could just see it on the, like, we just sunk. And I think it was just looking back and you don't realize it, you know, then as a 20 year old or 19 year old, but it's just that mindset of how oh, we got to play from behind again. And, you know, we ended up playing them well. It was a three, one game, but yeah, I think that, uh, that goal early hurt us and you could just see it. We never really rallied and, you know, we, we gave it our best, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, great experience, I'm sure. Anyway, um, so then you go to RPI after that. Uh, I guess before RPI, um, what uh, you had a scholarship to Brown you mentioned earlier. So, how do you end up over there at RPI? So, Brown had asked me, we we're supposed to go the year after we won in Fort Mac. Um, I think we both mutually decided that uh, to wait one more year. And in that discussion, they had asked me to kind of bump my SAT score um, to 1100. At, at that time, I think it was out of 1600 and I had, I had a 1080. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're not familiar with how the SAT works, um, you, I think at the time, I think you'd get four points if you got a question right. So it's a four and a half hour test at the time. And it gets mentally exhausting and, you know, kind of new enough that, you know, hockey, the hockey programs have some leverage to help with stuff, not necessarily in a shady way. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember hearing that feedback and we're going, do you really want me that bad for, to make to do a four and a half hour test? to get five more questions, right? Is that really what this about? Is there something more? And, uh, you know, we just started having a bit more discussions and agreed to kind of mutually part ways. 
Um, so this was after the Fort Mac year, uh, after we won it that year. And then they, we kind of made that decision in June. And then I came back to Fort Mac and then played till January. And I think I flew down to RPI. It would have been around November. And uh, when I got to campus there, just committed on the spot. Was there any other schools that were involved or? Yeah, I talked to Colorado College a little bit. Um, Vermont was one. And I talked to Yale a little bit at the time. So then go to RPI, were you there four years? All four years, yeah. What was that experience like with just the school, the campus, hockey, everything? Uh, it, it was a ton of fun, man. Like, had a blast. Um, you know, it was kind of everything you imagine. You, you get to have your fun on the side. You work hard. You're, you know, it, it's a big step up from junior. Um, the speed was one of the things that I noticed the most. And with me not being the fastest person, I had to, to find ways to use my mind and my brain and play to my strengths to almost draw guys into me and then try and move. Um, like I was never going to beat a guy wide, right? I burn a guy wide. So it was more just trying ways of, to be creative, you know, watch D-man's feet when you're coming down the boards on them. As soon as they kind of hit those breaks and kind of lunge towards you, you can use that quick half second, second advantage to, to get that gap that you couldn't get just trying to put your shoulder down, right? Lots of guys did that, but that wasn't me. Um, no, the school was a ton of fun. It was a beautiful campus. Uh, it was a tight group of guys. Um, Seth Appert, that was his second year on the bench. So we were, he's now the U18 uh, national team head coach for USA. Um, so we were his first full recruiting class. Um, so we, we struggled a lot our first year. Um, there wasn't much of a winning culture there uh, until he got there and kind of sunk his roots in. Um, but over those four years, it was fun to be a part of the development and how much better we got as a program. Uh, we made the national tournament. Uh, didn't go too well against North Dakota, unfortunately, um, in that first game. But it was the first time in our schools since in 16 years um, that our school had made the national tournament. So uh, for us to, to go from being, you know, a 48th ranked in the country out of 55 teams to the top 10 teams steadily. And uh, it was fun to be a part of that, the building of that and the process. Um, so what, what did you come away with from there for education? Uh, I took a bachelor of sciences, business and management uh, major. And then I took a minor in sports psychology as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so you finish up your four years at RPI. Um, and you went on to continue playing. Uh, but what was that phase like um, finishing up at RPI? I'm sure there was a decision that you had to make to come home or keep playing. Um, so just kind of talk about that whole experience. Yeah, I guess. Um, so how it worked into the coast, uh, East Coast League there was we um, – we had lost out in the first round. We were a high seed in, the, in our ECAC division, and we ended up losing in, in a best of three to Colgate. So uh, I was talking with Peoria and the AHL and was getting ready to go there uh, to finish up the year and do schooling from distance. Uh, the schools, that's one thing that they're great with normally uh, with their athletes is 
in finding a way to meet in the middle to make sure that you they can facilitate and help you get your schoolwork done. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue with that was because we were ranked so high nationally, the top 14 get an at-large bid, right? So we were kind of hovering that bubble and we didn't know if we were going to be in or not until they drew the names. So we had to sit out two weekends for all the leagues to finish. And then it was a third weekend uh, where we ended up playing drawing North Dakota. So by the time that happens, you're looking at almost a month later where so many other teams have been knocked out. So they filled their spots. And then I ended up uh, deciding to go play with Florida in the East Coast League just for their last four or five games, I think. Um, And then came back and, and graduated there. Okay. And then come back for the summer and then you went to Bakersfield the following year? Ended up going. So I had uh, the suitcase packed there for the first little bit to start my career. Um, I ended up going back to Florida um, to start the year. And uh, that was the year of the lockout. So at the time, unfortunately, um, for me, Florida had two uh, affiliate programs. It was Carolina and Tampa Bay. So they, had, you know, the filter, all the guys go to the HL, HL guys go to the ECHL into one team. So I got the bump there and I got put on waivers. Um, and then when I played about a couple months in Gwinnett, uh, I think it's just under a point a game. Uh, I played about 12 games there. And then, uh, and actually, an, our, an old player of mine at RPI played in Bakersfield and uh, was an assistant captain there uh, and had talked to their coach and they kind of swung a trade. And I went out there and played the rest of the year there and then the next little bit before retiring. What was, uh, how was Bakersfield? Like, what was it like to play there? It's good, man. Bakersfield, uh, people always say, ooh, California. And it's not like the California. It reminds me a lot of rural Alberta, Pump Jacks, uh, but it's a great hockey town, man. Like, um, it's Edmonton's farm system now, and I don't know if you can see that, but yeah, it's, it, it was a fun hockey town to play fans in front of for sure. How was going from NCAA to that league in terms of just the play um, and just the level and the skill? Uh, the skill level was the thing that jumped out. So... I found like you go from junior to college, college, the speed's a lot quicker. I thought college was a lot faster of a game than pro. Um, Pro, there's a lot more structure. Um, From a coaching perspective, (laughs) I remember getting there and we had three games and in four nights and, you know, a lot of the guys are older, right? I remember the coach coming in and just saying, okay, guys, let's conserve our energy here tonight. Like, don't forecheck unless you have to. And I'm going, <laughs> I, I'd never heard that before, right? Coming from, like, Apper, who's such just a hard guy and, like, go, 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 and pushes and demands a lot. Um, it was interesting to look back and see that. Um, but, but definitely a lot more structured, robotic. Guys are smarter. They know where to be. Um, that was kind of the difference I noticed from college, too. To pro hmm, that's interesting um so then uh, you mentioned earlier it was you had some injury stuff that kind of led to your retirement what was that decision like having to make that so that was hard i'd been playing on uh bad groins so i'd wrap both my groins oh and it's painful to say it but 
probably say, I remember first started doing it in Prince George and it was to the point late in the year where I wasn't even practicing towards the end. Um, I saw Terry Kane who was a specialist of the flames at the time. And again, I was told not to stretch before because if I stretched before work, which is absurd, right? Like they tell you to do everything opposite, but it was just kind of a weird case. And I ended up having bone spurs in both hips. So your, your hip is kind of supposed to sit in a socket. And mine basically was like this. And yeah. so was shooting right down into my groins. So I played on that for the longest time. And one morning I woke up and I remember watching one of those ESPN uh, 30 and 30s. And it was, I want to say a Stanford, a college quarterback who had so many brain issues um, and just kept playing through them. And now he's got brain brain problems had to stop playing and I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, I don't want this to be me. I don't, I know hips are, are a long way from the head. Um, but you know, it's just looking further down the road to family stuff, and, you know, wanting to be able to, you know, to play hockey with your kid or kick a soccer ball, do all that stuff. So it just, it was kind of a huge moment for me to see that. And I remember it just kind of clicked and I just called my dad and my parents in tears. And I just said, you know, I think I knew when my time would be. And I said, I think this is it. Like, um, you know, playing through pain, work, hockey was starting to become work. Um, always passionate about it, still am. But I think it was just getting to the point where I wasn't enjoying doing it as a job every day. Um, so yeah, that was kind of it. And I went in and had, had my meeting and told the coach and it happened quick and stayed around for a couple of days, say bye to the boys. And yeah, that was it. Was it mid season? Yeah, it was because I was thinking about it. Um, after my final year there, um, you know, the year went well, it was, it was my rookie year. I ended up leading our team in scoring. They gave me a letter at Christmas, um, so I was like, you know what, I want to come back and build on this. Uh, and then, yeah, I got there and it was, I think it was about six or eight games in. It was kind of just before Halloween. I was just like, I'm just not loving it, man. Just just so much work on the hips. And he'd see me hobbling off bus rides. Like if I sat down for a while after a game, guys would have to carry my bags and I'd be using the seats as crutches just to kind of walk it off until it was good again. And yeah, like I said, it was just kind of, come to Jesus moment where it's just like what am I doing to myself yeah that's yeah that's gotta be a hard hard thing to go through that was tough um so you come back to Calgary um and then did you get into working right away or what did you do first a little bit back here yeah the first part was trying to find a job so I ended up uh, getting on with a natural gas company um just kind of doing some sales customer service business development stuff there I guess for me, just growing up, parents were kind of in oil and gas. It's, it's Alberta. It's a lot of Calgary. So it didn't really know anything different. So the mentality was always uh, take it into sales. I, I love dealing with people. Um, love not knowing what you're going to get every day. Every conversation is different. All thing. That was kind of the mindset that wanted to get me into the oil and gas sales side. there. And getting to golf every day. That helps. <laughs> um I guess talk about that. Um, I know you're you're a pretty good golfer. For people that don't know, just just ask them. He's a good golfer. Uh, was there ever a point throughout your hockey career where you kind of had to make a decision, uh, hockey or golf? 
No, um, no, it never got that far. Um, one thing I wish I had done though, um, I never got lessons growing up. Um, so I wish I would have done that just out of curiosity to see kind of how far you could have taken it or what options you might've potentially had. Um, I was planning on walking on at RPI to the golf team as well, but I didn't know this at the time. So you can't compete in two different sports within different divisions. So RPI, our hockey program was division one. And so was the women's team, but every other sport at the school was division three. So I could cross from three to one. If, it, if they're both division three or both division one, it would have been doable, but so that's why it couldn't work there. How did you get back into the game? Um, was coaching something you kind of knew you always wanted to do or um, how did that start? Yeah, um, obviously took a year off and uh, basically you just get to, you just miss it, right? Uh, you know, I was, I was playing a lot, skating a lot, you know, networking, oil and gas, probably more than what I was when I was playing. Um, but not having to go through that physical contact, my body, the wear and tear in my body could hold up for that. And I just remember thinking like, you know, I like dealing with people. It's no different in sales, so to speak. Um, a way to give back to the game because the game's given me so much, uh, you know, help out kids and try and get them better. So I got an opportunity with uh, Richard Lim. He was captain of my midget AAA team my first year. Um, and we stay in touch. He's the head coach at Royal Military College now. So he's helped turn that program around and done great things there. So I got to learn a lot with him. We co we ended up having a bound double A team with the Royals. Um, and that was how it started. The year after I scouted for Fort Mac, uh, which I did on and off and continue to do now, um, especially with Gord back there, wanting to help him out. Yeah, and then the, the scouting side of it, I enjoyed it. Um, but it made me realize I miss the relationship you get to build with mm -hmm. the and scouting's fine. You're in the rink all the time. You're getting to watch hockey. Um, but, but for me, it, it just clicked that, you know, I want to work with players, build those relationships, get to know these guys. And, um, that was kind of what led me into that. And I, I stuck in coaching kind of the last four years at that major triple A level. Yeah, and I think I I can understand that cause it, for me too. Going through that scouting and coaching, it's it yeah. You just miss being a part of that competition and being a part of the players' development and having those relationships. And like since the I've worked with you as a coach, I I've learned a lot from you. And that was probably the one thing uh, that I probably got from you that's really helped me as a coach is just how much time you you would put into helping guys. Um, you know, get opportunities at the next level and using your network to call junior guys. And I think for me, that's what coaching should be about is development. And I think that's uh, one thing that I learned from you. And you know, obviously you're still doing it with Aiden Moore going to Fort Mac. I know you were a big part of that. Um, so obviously our relationships are, are very important for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And at the end of the day, like, as a coach, it's one thing you kind of learn when you get older and you make that transition. Like everyone wants to win and, and championships are great. But, you know, if you look back and you say, you know, whether it's been to AAA or from a couple of years prior that, you know, all 20 guys from that mid to AAA team ended up playing junior. 
you know, <laughs> as a coach, like in your garage or whatever, they should hang bang banners for that because <laughs> yeah. that's pretty cool stuff, right? And that's why you do it um, is to help give these guys the tools to succeed and get to the next level and not just get there, but have an impact there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think back to that team we had a couple years ago where I think 14 of 20 guys went to play junior. And I think the other six, five of them had returned to play with us the following year. But we don't have that number without, I think, your your involvement and your impact on those guys. So uh, well, it's it's been good. I'm glad to see that you're uh, you're still in it. You're still coaching. Um, what would you say? Is there anything about the game that or yourself that you've learned um, since you started coaching versus when you were playing? Um, for me. It's funny. I'm sure everyone who's made the transition says the same thing. Like the biggest thing for me is just the way you watch the game now. Um, You know, like before coaching, you're watching as a fan, you're watching as a player, um, you know, watching certain players, what they do, how you can develop your skill, how you can get better. And I think now it's more, you're watching it to learn as a coach, what can be, which can, what, what can help make your team better. Mm -hmm learning different systems, you know, breakouts, power play. Um, and especially the interesting thing is I'll watch games now. And I bet you I watch the bench just as much as I, I watch an actual game. And, you know, you watch players' body language, and it's just trying to figure out how that team gels and brings everything together. Yeah. That's your question or not. But. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, last one before a couple uh, bonus questions from some fans. Uh, as, as a player, obviously, you have a very interesting I think, career path. Um, as a player, you aren't the biggest guy, uh, so you defied those odds. Uh, you know, you go and have a lot of success at college. You mentioned you were on waivers in the coast, and then when you finish, you're at an all-star. You're leading your team in scoring. Uh, obviously you have, a, you have a drive and willingness to get better no matter what um, is that something that you still have now that you're not playing anymore yeah I think so and I hope it's something that I always continue to have to a, a healthy degree um, but always been a super competitive person um, love the win hate losing um, I know that it's transferable into my everyday work you don't know whether that's trying to find new work or, um, and, you know, I think it helps kind of around the house too and with the family. And, uh, I, I think from a hockey perspective, you know, I mentioned the speed thing, but yeah, you're always going to have odds, right? Like everyone is, and some are bigger than others, but it's just, you know, find, find a way. There's a way, if there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, like I said, I had to be creative, um, to get around my foot speed and play to my strengths, which were kind of my mind, my IQ and my hands. So just to give an example, you know, that's it, but there, there's tons out there. Just, just find that way. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's good advice. Uh, okay. A couple bonus questions for you before we let you go. Uh, did you win the Alberta open in golf? <laughs> <laughs> this is from a guy Alberta open in golf. This is from a guy that has never met you, a buddy of mine from back home, that as soon as I posted you were coming on, he messages me and goes, I know that guy. He's an unreal golfer. He won the Alberta Open. 
<laughs> no, I uh, I won the Cottonwood Club Championships a few years ago, and then competed a bit that summer. I think that would have been 2016 or 15, maybe. And then from there, did a bunch of uh, like city championships. We sent a team to uh, provincials there, and I think finished third or fourth. But um, no, no Alberta Open on my resume yet. <laughs> Okay, um, why do they call you the big boss man? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to answer this one. We, uh, Callan. yeah, well, I know it was Callan. Um, <laughs> yeah, back in the day, you used to hang out with those royal guys, and uh, we each, you know, we're big into the wrestling thing, and we all kind of had, had our nicknames, and the argument, I love the rock, right? And I always wanted to be the rock and he knew it just drove me crazy when he called me the big boss man. So <laughs> that kind of still is an ongoing thing to this day. Funny. Um, and then the last one here, was Nickelback ever in any of your playlists? No. And if it was, I'd be in trouble, I think. Yeah, it was your wife that asked that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel like there's no way at any point in your life animals was not in your playlist. There's no way. Oh, it, it would have been. Yeah. So right now. No, no, I don't. She wanted to know when you were playing, I think. <laughs> Quit stirring the pot. So then, you got, so then you got married and your wife took control of your playlist. Of my control with Nickelback. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pregame playlist. Ever in capital letters. Pregame playlist? What? That yeah. I'm not sure. No, I think you know you just don't want to answer. Pass. <laughs> yeah, pass. <laughs> uh, last one, uh, best player you ever played with. Ooh. Played with. I don't count from our three puck game, so it have to be someone else. Oh, okay. Ooh, geez, now who do I pick? <laughs> um, I would probably say at the time, Brandon Peary. Um, just his, I remember him coming in as a freshman uh, my junior year and not the most complete player, but just like physical talent shooting ability like scoring ability it that was that it just blew me away and he's obviously gone over a pretty decent career the nhl level um and then best player that you've coached probably uh i'd say jake neighbors um yeah, he he would probably be the best complete player that I've coached, and I've been fortunate to coach a lot of good ones um, at my time with with the Buffs and the Moomer Stars. There, mm -hmm. any similarities that you see just between like having played with uh, Peary and then coaching neighbors? Well, they're completely different players. Mm -hmm. um, I saw, I remember seeing a lot of Wiseblatt in Peary. But again, different. Obviously, Ozzy's done really well too, and was a, a heck of a player that year too. Um, but yeah, I'd say skill set 
Aussie would be kind of right there from what I knew of Peary, but Peary didn't have that, that fierce edge to him um, that Aussie plays with. No, those are, those are good players. Um, okay. That's all I have. Unless there's anything else you wanted to add? Nope. That's it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks for coming on. Um, we'll do it again. And I know you got a 50 kilometer run here. You got to go do it around mahogany. So I'll let you get on. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Yeah, take care.